Welcome to The Ovation Show, uh, where we are discussing the healthcare crisis in America. We're bringing partners and colleagues and clients together uh, to discuss how to solve this crisis in America, reduce the cost of uh, healthcare, bring better quality care to employers and employees across the nation. Uh, we are filming live today in the Work Innovators Network studio, where they are amplifying the voice of business. Uh, this is located in the VentureX studio at Castle Hills uh, the, in the realm. Uh, my guest today, we have the one and only Seth Denson uh, in the studio. Seth, thanks for being here. Dan, great to be with you, man. Now, Seth Denson is a business and market analyst, author, and entrepreneur. He's co-founded one of the nation's most successful consulting firms, and he's also authored the best-selling book, The Cure, a blueprint for solving America's healthcare crisis. The book takes a deep dive into the business structure of our U.S. healthcare system and how we can reform it while maintaining our free market. As a regular on-camera contributor, Seth has garnered a national presence while discussing a range of topics, including business and economics, politics, faith, and fatherhood. Originally from West Texas, but with international business experience, Seth's noble approach blends a metropolitan thinking with good old-fashioned Texas straight talk. I mean, you've been all over the media, and your story how you got there is amazing to begin with. Yeah. But I brought you on the show because back in 2019, you wrote a book called The Cure, which really addresses you know the healthcare crisis in America. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, thanks for having me, Dan. And uh, yeah, so I wrote The Cure actually during the whole debate around the Affordable Care Act. Remember, after Donald Trump had won the White House and both houses of Congress, that was the pro the campaign promise, right? We're going to repeal and replace, repeal and replace. Yep. Um, yeah, politics is easy sometimes, but actually getting things passed may be a little bit more difficult. Campaigning is easy, I should say, in, in some ways. It's uh, much easier than leading. And what we found was the Republicans couldn't do it. But nonetheless, it was interesting because when they put out their replacement bill, I remember reading it. I have super you read fun all 2000 reading. pages. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. My, I, I have really fun reading stuff that I do. Uh, but nonetheless, I read it and went, yeah, this isn't going to do it. This isn't going to address anything. And and what Washington cannot grasp is the idea that healthcare is a business and that healthcare and health insurance are two totally different things. And unfortunately, they want to make them synonymous. Uh, and so I actually sat down and wrote what we'll call the uh, the outline, maybe, if you will, as more of a white paper that became the cure uh, as, hey, if, if Washington really wanted to solve this problem, it's not rocket science. They're just talking to the wrong folks. And here's what they could do. Here are few easy steps. Easy probably isn't the right word, but we'll call it simple steps, right? Because obviously dismantling or restructuring a sixth of the U.S. economy is not going right. to be easy. But our economic system is built on consumerism. It's built on the consumer at the center of it. It's built on free market and information. Healthcare is a sixth of the U.S. economy is not a free market. As much as we want to say it is, because information isn't free. And when there's not information free, it's not a truly free market. And so obviously transparency is at the core of the solution, but then we need fundamental steps that could happen from a policy per perspective to really move the needle. And if Washington was really interested, here's what they did. So long way around the barn to get to. I was so <laughs> frustrated. I literally sat down at my laptop and wrote a white paper that became the cure in one night. Now. It took almost a year to get the sucker published, and uh, it it went from you know twelve chapters to twenty chapters to ten chapters to twelve chapters because you get editors involved and policymakers and people that read it and said, yeah, you've said that three times now. It's a bit yeah. redundant, but sometimes when you're thinking about things that you want Congress to understand, uh, sometimes saying things more than once and maybe even using pictures 
could be a, a good way of going <laughs> about it. Made some crayons and coloring. Perhaps too. you never know. <laughs> well, you mentioned something you mentioned about was uh, the right people. You said you know they're looking at creating this bill, but they didn't talk to the right people. Yeah. So who do you feel is the right people that they should be talking to? You. You and me, the people yeah. in our industry, right? And I'm not talking about insurance brokers. I'm talking about consultants, right? The people that are really advocating on behalf of the employers and the employees and the participants and, and all of those. But listen, they don't just need to talk to us. They need to talk to doctors, but they need to yeah. understand that when they talk to doctors, they're looking at it from a physician's lens, right? When you talk to insurance companies, you're looking at it from an insurance lens. When you're talking to hospital systems, hospital systems lens, you need to look at it through all these lenses. But who are the one... Who is the one group of, of, we'll call it business leaders in our, in our community, in our country, that has to deal with all sides of that? We do. We do. We do. Those that represent those that are buying the healthcare system, right? And, and 50% of all people that are accessing the healthcare system are doing so through an employer plan. Yep. And that's subsidizing the other 50% that yep. are getting it through the government plan. So in reality, we're controlling 100% of the money. Yeah. So, Let's recognize, as we said before, healthcare is a business. So if you really want to keep it a business, and I do, I think that that is the best trajectory. Listen, we would not have a vaccine for coronavirus. We would not have seen the, the advancement of medicine if not for our our capitalistic system. We must maintain that. The rest of the world relies on that. We're responsible for 70% of the world's innovation when it comes to healthcare. The rest of the world can have socialized medicine because we yeah. don't, right? So all of those things come into the fact that we must preserve it, but we must do it better. Well, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I think there is a group of consultants, brokers, whatever name you want to use, like yourself and me, um, and you know, some of the mastermind groups, yeah. and there are other ones around the country that are really focusing on how do we control this, get away from that status quo and do these things. You mentioned another word a couple minutes ago, uh, consumerism. Mm -hmm. And I know, so if anyone hasn't seen this, uh, you did a great TED talk in 2019 yeah. at TEDx at Flower Mound, and you talked about consumerism and you know, explain that because I, everyone should watch that, look it up, Seth Denson, yeah. but it's a great video explaining just the problem with the healthcare system. And can you talk a little bit about that and kind of explain what it's about? Yeah, so a couple of things, and it's actually the final chapter in the book, right? When I, and, and I end the book by saying the real cure is you. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's you, it's you and me. It's us taking the power. And so that was really the inspiration behind the TED Talk, which is if you look statistically, the average American spends 10 hours researching a car before making a purchase, two hours researching a flat screen TV and 15 minutes on healthcare. Yeah. Right. We literally tr trust anyone in white lab coats. <laughs> uh, except for maybe the only things that we probably should trust the people on white lab coats, then we'd want to go to Facebook and Twitter and become Google doctor. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that it, it, Americans by and large are fantastic consumers. Jeff Bezos will tell you that. Amazon is yeah. a picture perfect uh, example of that. He's got all my money. <laughs> and, well, yeah, me too, right? Uh, and if he doesn't, he's coming to get the rest of it, right? Uh, but the other thing is, is that Americans understand economics. They understand that if you want a better deal, you got to reduce the price of that deal or find it or, or reduce the amount of consumption to reduce your cost and overall exposure, except when it comes to healthcare. And the reason is, and, and I, I, I fundamentally believe that it is this way because the system wants it to be, yeah. right? We we as the system, and I used to be part of that broken system, right? For so many years, and business was really good, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, until my I had what my friends and colleagues call my Jerry Maguire moment, right? That part where, you know, you, all of a sudden you, you grow a conscience and you go, yeah, ethically, we're perpetuating bad here. Yeah. We're getting compensated, you know, nicely to do it, but it's wrong. and. And so from that reason, the, the idea of the TED Talk was that if, if Americans would just take a step back and look at healthcare like they look at every other economic um, engagement that they have in their daily life and be informed, 
right? Bubba knows how to buy a truck. If Bubba knows how to buy a truck, Bubba can go buy an MRI, <sighs> right? He does. If I sat, if I sat Bubba down and said, "Hey, Bubba, you can go buy this Chevy pickup truck that's beautiful and red for forty thousand dollars or eighty thousand dollars, same one, same same feature, same everything. Which one are you going to do?" You can go buy the $40,000 yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't care how much he likes that TV commercial of whatever car dealers out there, right? But, and that's the way healthcare is. I mean, you know, Dan, the cost variances are dramatic yeah. for the exact same thing, sometimes just a few hundred feet away. Yeah. And so it's really one of those things that if it, it, we can want government to solve this for us, we can want insurance companies or doctors or healthcare systems to solve for us, there's no incentive for any of those persons to do that. So we must take responsibility for our own actions and take control. You know, you bring up a good point. I know last year when Trump passed some of the laws regarding uh, health transparency and price yeah. transparency, we think that people don't know anything about it, but they think that's a great thing. But we just saw a slide the other day from a hospital website. I forget what state it's in. One of my mastermind partners brought it up, but it showed the cost of this procedure and being very transparent. And it showed Medicare pays $300 for this, Blue Cross pays We'll we'll pay twelve hundred. Uh, Edna will pay sixteen hundred, and United Healthcare six thousand. And so you know, you look at that and you go, "Where's the rhyme and reason behind that?" You know, yeah, it's transparent. I can see it. So you're telling me that if I have United Healthcare, they're going to pay more for the same procedure Medicare is paying. Isn't that part of the problem? It, it very much is. And actually, I write about this. And, and when I talk about insurance networks, or I've titled the the chapter "The Tie That Binds," right? Um, and and listen, insurance networks saw had had a purpose almost 100 years ago, yeah. uh, it, because the idea was that the hospital systems were actually going to provide a greater level of discount off their services for steerage, right? I don't have to market to bring people in. Uh, I'm, I can compete, but I, you know, the insurance company really is going to indemnify me. And there was, a, there was a reason for it. With healthcare consolidation and health insurance consolidation, uh, everybody's in, in, in network with everybody, yeah. right? And so all the insur insurance networks do now is provide a veil of ambiguity. Right. And, and people say all the time, well, so-and-so has a better discount than someone said. Listen, I, discounts don't matter. Prices do. <laughs> right. I'll give you a 99 percent discount if you let me set the starting price. Yeah, exactly. Or what in that room and board is considered a bundled price and what isn't? Are yeah. we paying eight dollars for the mucus recovery device? P.S. That's a Kleenex. Yeah. Right. Um, what will Blue Cross versus Aetna versus United Healthcare? And so until we get to back to a place and I write about this and mind you, the book was really meant for Congress. Hey, you want to get serious? Here's some things you can do that would actually start to work. The first thing, eliminate insurance networks. Yep. Insurance companies, no, let's keep insurance companies, but there's no reason for the network. Yeah. The price should be the price and how the insurance company treats that price should be what makes you choose United over Blue Cross, over Aetna, over Cigna, yeah. over whomever. We know Lester Morales, a good friend of mine. Yeah, we, yeah you know Lester. So we're, we're talking and he, he did a seminar here for me in Dallas one time and the, the overall theme was how do you how do you reduce costs and control costs get rid of the logos yeah that's it take off that blue cross your healthcare get even though that all that is is a comfort level for people when yeah. you remove that we now get transparency and control um i know have you ever seen the adam uh, ruins everything video on healthcare uh, i think i may have i know uh, who you're talking it's about it's just a great yeah. video that talks about you know the pricing behind the charge master sure and, so i urge anyone that's been out there it, go on go google it look up uh, adam ruins everything uh, healthcare system or hospital system yeah. it's a great video that was done back i think in 2017 2016 again after the aca right so when everyone started looking at this but, you know, even the Trump administration, who I applauded for trying to do this and say, hey, hospitals, let's let's be transparent. Well, the penalty for non-transparency was three hundred dollars a day. 
Yeah. I mean, you know as well as I do, Dan, that's a rounding yeah. error on one patient. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah. okay, $300 a day and I can I can hide my pricing yeah. and you'll never know. I'm in. I'm in, yeah. CFOs all over the place are going, uh, that's never even going to make the P&L. Like, yeah. okay, we'll move forward. <laughs> so, listen, I, I applaud what the Trump administration tried to do, but the juice just wasn't worth the squeeze yeah. there. Uh, and, and we need some real reform. Again, I'm not trying to demonize the people inside of the hospital systems or the people that run the hospitals. They are doing their job yeah. based on the playing field that we've given them. Same thing with insurance companies, same thing with all across the board. We need a different playing field. We need a playing field where the consumer is in control as again, the consumer is in every other aspect of our healthcare yeah. system. The consumer chooses, you know, which flavors of Ben and Jerry ice cream stay yeah. on the shelf, which town's sports teams reside, uh, you know, all of these different things that consumers control but they don't control healthcare. And, and it's in large part, I believe, because healthcare is the largest single lobby in Washington. It's, if you combine the healthcare lobby and the pharma lobby, which yeah. combined they are, it's larger than, than guns, uh, than defense, than tobacco, uh, than oil and gas combined. You combine all of those, they're not as big as a healthcare lobby. And that's who elects our leaders. That's who pays to elect our leaders. And so until we can throw lobbies out or get leaders in there that are going to actually recognize and try to focus on the real problem, which is the cost of healthcare, yep. um, then, then we can start moving the needle. But until then, it's going to be nothing but up to you and me. Yep. And so, you know, so when we're talking to employers, which is where this all goes to, you know, I mean, we look at it, you know, one thing I always thought about was, you know, everyone in America at some point is going to need a healthcare system. Yeah. And most well, of us get it from our employers. So, you know, we have to start the message, but bring it to the employers. So what are, you know, what are a couple of things you tell when you meet with an employer? What, what are a few things that you tell them when yeah. you start the conversation with? Well, first of all is you got to kind of wake them up a little bit from this, uh, we'll call it the, the hypnosis level of sales that they've been ingrained in forever, right? And get them back to the economic principle, right? That at the end of the day, there's really only two reasons for you to lower your cost. You either lower the number of claims that your people are consuming yeah. or the price of those claims. That's it. Yep. So shopping for dumber underwriters doesn't work anymore, right? There's none left. And if someone's giving you a better rate, it's, that's called a loss leader. Yeah. They're trying to get you in. Um, so watch out for that. We got to get people back to understanding that healthcare, like everything else, has a supply chain and that most employers understand their own supply chains. They need to understand their yep. healthcare supply chain, especially considering healthcare likely is in the top five, probably in the top two. Yeah. Um, of expenditures on their P&L. We need them to look at it more from a business perspective, but we also need to recognize that I think the health insurance system, and the healthcare systems have scared employers from getting involved. Yeah. HIPAAs, that's that big dirty thing. <laughs> um, it's not scary. Uh, the ACA is not scary. Uh, ERISA isn't scary. You just need to understand how to navigate it. And if you do, you actually have a lot of power. But I say it all the time. How many how many of you give a company credit card to people to go fill a car with gas or things like that, right? And if you had gas on one side of the street for five dollars a gallon and gas on the other side of the street for two dollars a gallon, how many of you would be really really mad if they went to the five dollar yeah. gallon place to get gas? You're doing that all day every day, and so you have to recognize that if you're focused on health insurance, you're focused on the wrong thing. Health insurance yeah. is the credit card. Health care yep. is what you're buying. You must focus there. And if you will do that, if you'll change your mindset and focus on that, now we can start having a conversation. Until then, there's no reason to. I agree. Yeah, they've got to look at that expense. And I've noticed even over the last couple of years, a conversation has switched from talking to HR and about what deductibles are and co-pays. Now we're talking to CFO, CEO, looking at, let's look at the bottom line, look at EBITDA, let's figure out how we're going to control this cost. How do we control the frequency and severity of claims? Yeah. And that's where you really get that control from. Well, and another thing on that though, Dan, because you bring up a great point, the frequency and severity, the severity side of it is really the killer 
right? 90% of all costs in the United States in an employer plan are generated by 10% of the population. Right. I don't have to solve for 90% of your people. Yeah, just I gotta 10. solve for 10, <laughs> right? So what does the insurance industry try to tell us? Oh, go do a wellness plan, go do this, raise right. the deductible on everybody. Why? Why? Why yeah. are we gonna go make 90% of your population mad who's never hitting their deductible anyway? Yep. And by the way, you raising that deductible $1,000 on that $80,000 procedure, that's really not moving the needle, yeah. is it? No, that's called misdirection. So we really need to start understanding that and understanding that if we can focus on that 10% and really start to drive those costs down through all the things you were talking about, right? Direct contracting, understanding, hey, listen, the price today may be different tomorrow based on the surgeon, based on the yep. facility, based on the day, all of those different things. If you will do that and really start to dive in and get those people engaged, now you start to move the needle. And here's the greatest part of all of that. You actually will free up capital to make benefits better, yep. right? Something that we don't ever talk about anymore, mm -hmm. right? We raise deductibles, we ask the employees to pay more, we yep. cost shift and burden. The reality, and I say this all the time, health insurance is the greatest barrier to accessing the healthcare system that there is. Because we raise deductibles, we say, hey, oh, you need that MRI? No, 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 we're gonna make sure that you have to go pay a deductible. What? Nobody wakes up this morning and goes, I think I want to get an MRI today. That sounds like a great day for me. So why not instead, if you have an employee that needs an MRI, trust me, you want them to go get that MRI. Yep. So why not build within your plan an opportunity for anybody that needs an MRI to go get one? Let's just make sure they go get the one that's two, 300 bucks. Yeah. And then what we've done is we've probably protected a potential 50, 60, $70,000 claim on the back end because we figured out what the problem is and we go get it. And now you as the employer win too because the employers are going, my employer took care of me when I needed it the most. You know, we had that discussion this weekend. Well, you know DevAlt. Yeah. So we're talking medical management and that's exactly it. Let's get the right care at the right price at the right time. Yeah. And directing employees. And we've done this with some clients where we say, oh, it's $500, you know, copay to go get an MRI. Yeah, it is. But an MRI is an MRI. So if you go over here, now there's no copay. Yeah. Go to the right place and we can reduce your costs. And that's really what consultants like you and I are doing is reducing those costs for the employee as well. Exactly. Let's, let's actually put the benefits back in their benefits plan. Yep. So I think that, you know, there's three key points I think we talked about. Number one, um, you know, we, we mentioned edu education. Yep. Got to edu educate the employees. Got to yep. edu educate Beyond the just public. the open enrollment meeting. It's got to be constant. It's got to yep. be in their face. It's got to be ongoing. Absolutely. Yep. So that communication, that education, and then really explain, getting the employers involved where they understand this is a bottom line. This is a, you know, this is a profit leak in their company. Yeah. There's a direct line between the profitability of a company and their inability to control a claim. There's a yep. direct line there. Yep. Right. And, and it's interesting, uh, you know, there, there's some people that we know in the industry. And, and Craig Lack is one that, who, interestingly yeah, Craig, enough, uh, well, oft, yeah. often says it's is how much of a financial impact does this need to be before it becomes a C-suite conversation? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, I, and I appreciate that uh, because I agree. And this is something that, listen, I'm not uh, uh, maybe taking away from HR managers. They're overwhelmed with the work that they have to do already. So to ask them to now control the P&L. Yeah. Right. But the idea here is that if you actually do control the PL in a positive way, you're going to give something positive back to your HR team yeah. to go tell the people this is good. It's good all around. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because we have a really good we have a, a client that we manage the benefits and we actually last year cut their expense in half. And so Fantastic. it's a great, great testimony to what we're doing. But what was great is they're an employee owned company. So they profit share. Sure. So at the end of the year, when that bottom line increased, they show more profit all the employees benefit, yeah. which also help with the engagement side of it. That's, so that's you know, a case example. But um, you know, this has been great. 
and excited to get get your book out to other people. Yeah, and thanks, thanks for coming on the show. I know you got other stuff to do today. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Nice. Thanks. Always fun. Everybody, Seth Denson. Um, Want to say thank everyone for tuning in today. Uh, special thanks to our sponsors, uh, Craig Shelley, Beverly Hills, uh, Fine Jewelry and Luxury Watches, and uh, Success North Dallas, where Bill Wallace has been connecting people for over 30 years. Thank you, and we'll see you guys next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>